Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Right now, join T-Mobile and get an unlimited family plan with Netflix included so you can watch in more places than ever before on your phone, tablet, or TV. Plus, buy one Samsung Galaxy S9 and get one free with 24 monthly bill credits so you and your family can binge your Netflix favorites on your new phones. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. Unlimited data on their network. Video streams at 480p. Small fraction of customers using over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speeds. If you cancel balances due, well-qualified customers, full price, 720 plus tax. Finance agreements required. Netflix for two screens. Terms apply. Give me a break. That's what we're going to do, Michael. We're going to be like accountants now in baseball. Uh, was it the Pythagorean theorem? The Pythagorean theorem said that the Red Giants offensive line, that their record should be one in one. That's the Pythagorean theorem said that the Giants offensive line, that their record should be two and all. It's football. I've been watching it for 40 years. 40. 40 years. Whoa. What's better than this? Guys being dudes here on a live edition of the Draft Dudes Podcast. I'm Joe Marino of NDT Scouting and Fan Rag Sports, joined by Kyle Krabs, who's the founder and director of scouting with NDT Scouting, also with Fan Rag Sports, and we are your hosts here on this live edition of Draft Dudes. Thank you for joining us on Instagram, and for those who will listen to this on Thursday when it's on the normal feed, it's been a crazy start to this NFL league year and uh, we want to probably get into some of that and certainly get to your questions so if you're watching this live get your questions in the queue and we'll get to as many of them as we can Kyle welcome to the show yeah this has been a fun start to the year huh yeah big uh, big biggest signing of the day is clearly AJ McCarron signing mm. with the Buffalo Bills yeah well it's that that is the look hey. of an excited man right there ladies and gentlemen it's it's quarters on the dollar compared to that Sam Bradford deal. So it's two years, ten million. You can't enter the season with Josh Rosen, Nate Peterman, and whoever you know, JT Barrett, or whoever the UDFA is. Josh Rosen. Get. Yeah, Josh Rosen. I, Josh I Rosen. If it looks like I haven't slept, it's because I haven't, because I live in fear of Josh Allen being a Buffalo Bill. Okay, so I'm trying to Trade speak to this. In, dude, could you imagine? Just just imagine this for a second. Trading back from number 10 to 27, trading Sammy Watkins, Ronald Darby, Marcel Darius, Tyrod Taylor, Reggie Ragland. Ragland. All to trade up and get Josh Allen. Kyle, I can't do it. 
I can't be, I can't, that can't happen. It's the fear of my life. And the real worry here is we are going to be on a live broadcast when the Buffalo Bills make their pick. I could die on the air for everyone to see. And I would die of laughter if that's the case. You know, the only thing that, go ahead. (laughs) No, I did. You just you said that you want to get anything laughter. else off your chest. No, I look. You're a Miami Dolphins fan, and so what the hell are you guys doing, anyways? So that's a great question. Um, if you remember, Joe, last year before we went live on day one of our draft stream, we had a conversation, you, me, and John owning, and it was who is the person that your team could pick, and it would make you the most angry. Mm-hmm. And for me, that answer was Charles Harris. And the Dolphins picked Charles Harris in the first round. And I will never forget standing at that table looking over at you. And you had that sly little grin on your face. So I hope, I hope the shoe is on the other foot this year. I sincerely do. Well, you've made it harder to move on from Ryan Tannehill with the reworked contract today. So less and less. And Rashad likely. Jones. Dude, no, listen, we are robbing Peter to pay Paul. As far mm-hmm. as the Miami Dolphins, mm-hmm. oh well, we got four million dollars of cap space. Let's cut Sue and eat seventeen million dollars of cap this year, and then restructure Rashad Jones, Ryan Tannehill, and whoever the hell else they did, whoever the hell else they did. And now we're going to just defer even further. You cut Sue because you're in cap hell. Don't keep deferring and restructuring contracts so you're in cap hell two years from now. This is not hard, but yet this is what Tannenbaum did in the with the Jets in New York. And now we're seeing it in Miami, and it's just it's yeah. going to be a black hole, and I don't, I don't like it. I don't like it. So let's get to some questions, please, now yes. that you've got me all fired up. It's almost um, like Mike Tanbaum shouldn't have a job, but that's – Is inside linebackers – Jake Breezy gave us a good one to, to kick us off and uh, get us away from this troubling discussion that we're having. Is inside linebackers a strength of this draft? Joe, I'm going to say yes. With a good amount of confidence. I look through the linebackers, the off-ball linebackers in this group, and I have several guys that have first-round grades. I've only got 16 first-round grades this year. So I've got two, Roquan and Tremaine Emmons, that have first-round grades overall. If I look past that, I see a lot of guys that I feel really confident in being starters in the NFL. Leighton Van Der Esch is one. Rashawn Evans is another. I mean, you even go a tier down, and you got like Sky Moore, to gray scales I really like. So I think you're looking at the linebacker listing, and if you miss one of these top-tier guys, there's going to be an opportunity, whether it's a team like Pittsburgh at the back end of the first round that needs a linebacker. Philadelphia Eagles might need a linebacker, although they did re, re, uh, re-sign Bradham to a deal, so they may be moving on for Michael Kendricks. There's going to be some flux there in that linebacker position as well. Um, teams in the second round, day two. I think you could get starting off-ball linebackers in day two this year. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, who are some of your guys in day two? I, I done Darius Leonard from South Carolina State. I think he needs some work. Oh, but Leonard's he, a good one. Yeah, he could be a guy in day two that you feel in fourth round, man. This could be a starter. Um, I also like uh, – I mean, I like Jannard Avery in context. I don't think he's a top 50 player, Avery. but I, yep. I think he's probably a, a solid top 100 player that could give you some day two starter upside. And, man, how about Sean Dion Hamilton? If that dude's healthy – yeah. He's a good-ass football player. Alabama linebacker, yeah. he, he'd I mean, be fun. I got my linebacker rankings right here. I got Tremaine Edmonds, Roquan Smith, Tier 1. Uh, my Tier 2 guys are Fred Warner, Rashawn Evans, Leighton Van Der Esch, 
Uh, my tier three guys are Darius Leonard, Sky Moore to Gray Scales, Jerome Baker, Jack Sitchie, Jadarn Avery. So, I mean, I think all of those guys in the right scheme fits can be potentially three down linebackers provided they have health and they're in a role that's going to play to their strengths. So, I mean, I just ripped off what nine linebackers. I think I definitely think linebacker group is is one of the strengths of the class this year. Yeah. I'll take one here. We got Derek 79 says, how has free agency affected your mock draft? Blow it up, throw it out. It's no good. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, so, so much, so much has changed, right? Cause, cause obviously when you're pegging a mock draft, you're really thinking hard about team needs and, and so many teams have really addressed them and done a very good job to set themselves up to really go after the best players available. I think about San Francisco who went out and got Weston Richburg to really upgrade that center position. They got that corner opposite Akello Weatherspoon and Richard Sherman and say what you want about the Jet McKinnon deal. They certainly overpaid for him, but they've got their running back. And so, you know, the 49ers are a team that I look at and say, okay, this is a team that's really changed their landscape going into this draft. Um, so I thought, you know, for, from that perspective, certainly changes things. Um, and a lot of other teams throughout the first round. And, and John Ledger uh, on NDT Scouting has done a really nice job of kind of blogging and talking about deal by deal. Okay, how does this impact the draft? And so I encourage everyone to check that out as well if you want some more detail on that. Yeah. Uh, Jordan has a question here about one of my guys, Nathan Shepard, asking if he made it into the first round for you guys. Ledyard and Sikama love him. Uh, I will say this. I do not love him as much as Trevor Sikama. Nobody does. Uh, tre- Trevor <laughs> is in love with this dude. Now, Trevor actually had a funny story. We're at the Combine, and it's defensive line media day, and Shepard gets done with his media availability, and Trevor comes up, and, and Trevor's telling us this story at dinner, and he introduces himself, and Nathan apparently goes, oh, what's you're on Twitter, right? What's your name? And he goes, Oh, uh, Tampa Bay Trey. And Nathan goes, yeah, your tweets are funny as hell, man, or something like <laughs> something like that. So Nathan Shepard, not only he's like Twitter name basis with Trevor Sikama. Uh, mm. Shepard, for me, he's IDL too. He's my second rated interior defensive lineman. And I get the question a lot about the small school guys. How do you factor in level of competition when you're coming from a very small school like Fort Hayes State? Well, you want to see a couple of things. You want to see – They've met the NFL size profile. They have NFL baseline athleticism, which he does in both of those categories. He has strong production, dominating production on a small school basis, which he does. And he physically passes the eyeball test on film, which he does. He does all four of those things. So I don't see any issue with placing him in this tier. This is no different than what we saw from Javon Hargrave from a couple years ago, who went on to be, you know, he's the currently starting nose tackle for the Pittsburgh Steelers and a very effective football player. So Shepard for me checks all those boxes. He's, I believe, 21st on my big board as far as final ranking, but I don't foresee that number changing. I think he's pretty set inside the top 25 on my big board for 2018. Yeah, that's a strong endorsement. I, I like Shepard, so it's going to sound like I don't like him after following up what Kyle just said. But for me, he's more of a middle-of-the-day-two type uh, player. I mean, he's – look, at you look so disgusted. Wait till, wait till our boards come out because I've seen your top 40. I don't know what my top 40 is. I don't, I don't know. So I'm, I'm anxious to sort my board here after I get done. Obviously, Kyle and I do numerical scoring, so everything is being scored behind the scenes. And then once everybody's in, I hit sort, and so I'll know exactly how my, my board stacks. So um, 
He seems like he's a midday two guy for me. I'm a little bit concerned of his age, right? Isn't he like 24, 25? So twenty four. Okay, he's okay. Not so old. not not too old. He's still a spring chicken. Not too old, but you know, yeah, I, I think for me, I guess there's a lot of other defensive tackles that I like in this class. So he he kind of fits into that top five six for me as opposed to IDL two. But uh, Kyle looks at me. He's looking at me like the Bills already drafted Josh Allen or something. I don't know what's going on. Speaking of Josh Allen. Good. Go ahead and go ahead and field a question, Joe. Yeah. So, uh, question here from the great Gingerino. Speaking of the Bills, what quarterback do you think that they're moving up for? Um, it's 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 a hard question because I have dis I have reasons to discriminate against all of them when I think about Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott. Um, you know, we we know that they really value the personality side of things, and you know. Sean McDermott said, hey, I just need guys that can get their chin above the bar talent-wise, and we can do, do the rest. We can groom and develop people. So with that in mind, it really – you know, they want – he wants to make sure that they're wired the right way and that they're – you know, that they that they have the, the football character, if you will, to really come in, and especially at the quarterback position. You know, that really sounds like Sam Darnold, right? I don't think Sam Darnold's going to be available. I think Sam Darnold's going to go number one to the Cleveland Browns. So now you're stuck with this field of Rosen – Mayfield and Allen. Well, Mayfield, I think that is his personality. I don't know that Buffalo is going to believe that. So we'll see. We'll see. I know that Brandon Bean really does value ability to win from the pocket and arm strength. That gets us to Allen and it gets us to Rosen. I think those are the logical two guys that I realistically believe that Buffalo is going after. Rosen, eh, the personality stuff, right? Believe it or not, take, uh, we, we all have our own individual perspectives on it, but how when we're talking about the Bills specifically, how will they handle it? And, and it does have me concerned. It, it does make me believe maybe they would be a team that would shy away from, from Josh Rosen, and that leaves it with Josh Allen, right, who I think his personality is probably overrated. I know that you and I both have spent time around him. He's not a Carson Wentz type guy. Right, like he's like to me the standard for when I, we talk about personality and tangibles, leadership in terms of quarterbacks that I've been around personally and seen. Carson Wentz is the gold standard, and Josh Allen's not like that. He he's kind of he 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 felt a little bit lonerish to me. You know, he wasn't like this really commanded things at any type of a high level. So I'm as confused as hell as trying to figure out which quarterback Buffalo likes. I'm I'm inclined to believe it's Allen or Rosen. I hope to God it's Rosen. Hey you, with a rhinestone dog collar. Between us dogs, I just convinced my human to upgrade to a new home with a 1,200 square foot bathroom. I think she called it a yard. With Wells Fargo's 3% down mortgage option, my human realized a new home was within reach. And I only gave her puppy eyes once. Get your human to talk to a mortgage consultant or learn more at wellsfargo.com slash woof. Wells Fargo Home Mortgage. Down payments as low as 3% on a fixed rate loan require mortgage insurance. Ask a home mortgage consultant about loan requirements. Wells Fargo Home Mortgage is a division of Wells Fargo Bank N.A. Equal housing lender. NMLS R.A.D. 399801. That felt good, didn't it? Getting that off your chest. I guess. Another good question, guys. Make sure you're submitting questions. We will field them as we go. We are um, about halfway through our scheduled programming for the night, so we got about 15 minutes to get you guys uh, as many questions as you can. Jordan wants to know if you want to take a swing for the record of a day three pick that has a shot of making an impact early in the season. Well, what's a position that's usually – Pretty easy to see a lot of guys have a, a success rate early on. I'm going to go with a running back. 
I'm looking at my running back list. Um, I think Josh Adams from Notre Dame has a chance to be a good football player. Uh, obviously, a lot of these guys depends on the scheme fit. Uh, Adams is kind of a fringe late day two, early day three. He's a part of this really crowded pool of running backs. Uh, if Adams falls to like round four and gets his name called and goes to a team that might be looking for a little bit more power element in their backfield and, and has some people up front that can make some gaps for him because that's one thing he was used to at Notre Dame was running off the hip of uh, Quentin Nelson there and getting a lot of big gaps. And that's a guy for me that I think has a translatable skill set, has physical skills that will help him have success early on. It's just a question of does he land in the team setting that's going to allow him to either get the opportunity early on and make the most of it with who's in front of him. Is it a reach to think that Wyatt Teller could be a fourth round pick? I mean, is that, I mean, it's, it's a little, not anymore. Maybe, so maybe he's available in, in day three. And, and so the other position that co- comes to mind for me where you talk about guys making an impact early is offensive line. And Wyatt Teller from Virginia Tech's a guy that I think someone might draft in the early fourth round and get a starter. He's got a great frame, he's got 34 inch arms. And when you talk about the NFL today and what they need these guards to do, they need them to be mobile, they need to be able to hit connect with moving targets in space. I need you to be able to reach block on inside outside zone. And so for a team that employs those types of, uh, of schemes, I think that he could be a really good fit, a really good day one type starter that really overachieves that a team will hit on by selecting him in the early portions of day three. Joe, we have a poltergeist situation behind you. I just saw the door swing wide open there. I heard a little creak, looked up, and there you are sitting there, and the door swung wide open. And oh man, that was uh, a little spooky, Joe. So we're waiting on we're, we're we're waiting on questions. Okay, the listeners do not have any questions for us this evening. So you tell Nacho to keep it down over there. And what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the Cleveland Browns because the Cleveland Browns fans have got me all fired up today. I was assigned talking about. Sashi Brown, John Dorsey, where the correlation is going to be if this is the offseason that helps the Browns turn it around. And Dorsey uses the capital that he's received as part of this process in Cleveland. How much credit does Sashi Brown deserve for that? And it seemed like I got a lot of pushback from people that were that just like vehemently hate Sashi Brown. Because the Browns went one in thirty-one. Fun fact: Sashi Brown only went one in twenty-seven. Hugh Jackson went one in thirty-one because Hugh Jackson stayed there the entire year. So Sashi Brown actually has a better winning percentage than Hugh Jackson does. But that's beside the point. My point is this: the Browns have been a team mired in mediocrity for years and years and years. They've had one, two, three seasons, three winning seasons. Since 1990. Now, obviously, they had the small hiatus there where they disappeared. But this is a team that has sucked for forever. They have not been good, right? And this is something that you've seen in multiple sports. You've seen this in baseball and basketball. You embrace the fact that your team's not good. And nobody, no fan of any team wants to admit this. But you have to come in and say, okay, we're not good. How do we get better? We have to get elite players. How do you land elite players? You have to hit on your assessments of players and take advantage of high draft positioning. That's what Sashi Brown and the Cleveland Browns did. They stripped this team down. It was very bad. 
they won one game in 2016 after winning three games in 2015 and then went 0-16 this year. I challenge you, Joe, to look at the Browns' depth chart and tell me that team deserved to win zero games last year because that was a better team than 0-16. That was an extremely poorly coached team. They had a very successful draft last year. They landed four long-term starters on that team last year. And there's this witch hunt out for Sashi Brown talking about, oh, well, you know, his plan got them one in 31. You think Sashi Brown came in and he was like, yeah, you know, my my plan to be the general manager of the Cleveland Browns is I'm going to have us suck forever. Sashi Brown came into this gig and Jimmy Haslam knew this was the deal. He said, this is going to be a multi-year process to allocate draft funds, to allocate cash capital. This was the year that they were going to spend instead of sell and strip away and give guys away and not compete. And Jimmy Haslam got cold feet, which is understandable when you're one in 31, somebody's got to lose their job. But I think if you look at the talent level that was there for the Browns, I don't think that's an 0-16 roster. I mean, they, they had talent in the front seven. They had a good offensive line. They had terrible play calling, terrible situational football, and a rookie quarterback. And I know people who are Browns fans that support uh, Hugh Jackson here are going to talk about how uh, Sashi Brown did not draft Carson Wentz and he did not draft Deshaun Watson. Well, Hugh Jackson did not want Carson Wentz, and Hugh Jackson preferred Patrick Mahomes who the Chiefs traded up two spots in front of the Browns to draft Patrick Mahomes. So Patrick Mahomes was not there, who was his quarterback of choice. And you know you can't go into the year with Cody Kessler and uh, Brock Osweiler as your starting quarterback options. So they drafted a rookie quarterback in the second round. So I I, I felt like Sashi got a bum rap, and I'm really surprised to, to hear that there are so many Browns fans that are just like vehemently this just despise Sashi Brown. He has set you up to just knock this out of the park. There are 31 other teams that would love to be in the shoes of where the Cleveland Browns were this month. I, um, man, it's, it's interesting because Sashi Brown did so much to get Cleveland in the position that it's in right now to acquire talent and really add to this roster in this draft. I don't know that I trust Sashi Sashi Brown to be the guy making these picks. I think he did a really good job getting him to this spot, but was he the guy that was going to execute and be able to attract an Elliot Wolf and attract the Scott McGluin and and put this, I guess this uh, this super team of of personnel guys in place to to get this roster right moving forward. And, and I agree with you that this is a bad football team that did not, but it didn't deserve to, to lose every game last year. They did because Deshaun Kaiser was their quarterback. Okay. Did not need to be a rookie starting quarterback and, and that hurt. But obviously there were some things coaching wise that I thought really fell short. Has anybody considered that angle on this whole discussion is that Sashi Brown was the right guy to get him right here, but the guy to move forward and really capitalize on this capital Maybe it was John Dorsey and his uh, super team. And here's where the disconnect is for me. If you're going to do the short-term plan to get your team in a place to do this, 
Do you not hold everybody accountable? Because how how does Hugh Jackson, who went one in thirty one, with the team f- falling apart in some of the situations that that team fell apart at the end of last year? How how do you look and take inventory on this place, Joe? You're not going to understand this reference, and I understand that because you don't watch Game of Thrones. But Sashi Brown was Ned Stark because Ned Stark lived a very naive utopian lifestyle of, you know, this, you must do right at all times. And Sashi Brown goes to Cleveland into a football front office, knowing nothing about it. Just like Ned Stark goes down to King's Landing and he gets his head lopped off because he can't play the politics side of the game. You saw at the end of last year in Cleveland, the coaches are emailing people in the media complaining about how Sashi Brown and his team in the front office closed up shop at 5 PM and how that, that's not the way it works in the NFL. You can't do it that way. So, you know, it's, it's fine if you want to say, you know, this was the needed people to get the Browns to this juncture. But if you're going to make the change, hold everybody accountable. Because I don't see any way you look at what Hugh Jackson's done in two years, and the guy has the pause to come out and say, there's not another coach in the NFL who could have done the job that I've done the past two years. Yeah, I could have jumped in there, and I could have done one game worse. <laughs> Strong, man. Yeah, that was the confusing part of the whole thing. So, I mean, is it a foregone conclusion that Hugh Jackson's going to be fired after the season? Is there is there something that they could achieve this year that could give him another season as the Browns coach? Is, are we writing him off? Is he that much of a lame duck? I mean, do we see – do you think the Browns have a winning record this well, year? Well, they have a defense, and they have a quarterback that will not turn over the football, ever. You can win six or seven games so with that, I guess right? It, I'm, yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised if they do win six or seven games. But I don't know if that's enough. Uh, I have a okay. – It would be very – go ahead. Ready for this? If Tyrod Taylor yes. gets the Buffalo Bills and Cleveland Browns to the playoffs in back-to-back seasons, is he a Hall of Famer? Stop it. We have a few questions from the listeners for the last five minutes of the show. <laughs> I would rather field these questions than your question, Joe. <laughs> would you rather have, speaking of the Browns, Sean wants to know, would you rather have Barkley or Minka at four? For me, it's Barkley. I'll keep it short. He's the best player I've scouted in the past several seasons. I think he's a blue-chip talent, but I also come into this with the understanding you need a quarterback in the long term if you're Cleveland. So you take your quarterback of choice at number one, and you take the best player available, which would be Minka Fitzpatrick, at number four. Or I'm sorry, Saquon Barkley, number four. I agree with you on that. Um, Jordan, he says, Alexander, Jackson, Hughes, Meeks, everyone seems to have a different opinion of cornerbacks after Denzel Ward. How do you see it? What if I told you Jair Alexander was the best cornerback in this draft? Ooh, there's a – oh, okay, there it is, the Louisville shirt. Um, yeah, I think he's – That's why I kind of – I think he's the most complete corner in this draft. I think he does everything. Got He has ball skills. He can win in man, zone, press. He can do everything. And – for me, I love Denzel Ward. He's my number two cornerback, and here's the deal with him. Is he going to go in the top 15? Every indication is that he will. He's not a type of corner that's going to be able to match up with another team's number one wide receiver on a weekly basis. He's not taking away Mike Evans. He's not taking away Julio Jones. He's not taking away A.J. Green, and I understand that most cornerbacks can't, Okay, <laughs> but he is at a – his disadvantage size-wise is just – 
concerning to me. And so if I am going to take a corner in the top 10, top 15, I need to know that you can match up with those guys. And so for me, that's why I bumped Alexander over Ward. Ward's a good football player, though. Yeah, Ward's a great football player, but I agree with you. Uh, the concerns with him are a little more prevalent. They actually finished with the same score for me, so they're tied as the best corner. My tiebreaker's going with Jair because of the size, because I have less of a concern with Jair physically being able to hold up with guys. He plays a little more physical at the catch point than what you saw from Denzel Ward. Um, but I totally agree with you, Joe. I think those two are your your top two in a group that didn't finish with any really strong store in corners for me. Like last year, I had a couple corners I really, really like. Sidney Jones was one. Marshawn Lattimore was another. Uh, I don't think either of those guys are on that caliber tier for me in, in my personal evaluations. Uh, Nick LaManna wants to know, who are some defensive tackle targets who could be there for the Falcons in round one? Nick, you're in luck. It's a really good defensive tackle class. So even if a couple of these guys go, you're going to have a chance to, to get a look at some of these guys. We have to answer questions about Mo Hurst. He had the uh, uh, abnormality with his heartbeat that was discovered at the combine with his physical. If that's all clear, he's the top interior defensive lineman in the, in the draft, in my opinion. Nathan Shepard, who we talked about a little earlier, is a guy I really like, small school guy, uh, disruptive. He's 310, 315, really physical. We got Vita Vea, who's an extremely disruptive guy. Hot take, you're not going to sniff Vita Vea, Nick. I don't think the Falcons will have any chance to land him unless they, they move up quite a bit. Uh, Deron Payne, Alabama. Are you going to buy in on, on what he had as his upside during the college football playoff games? Because that's what it was, was when he was at his best. Taven Bryan from Florida, who has just a tremendous ceiling. Uh, he didn't score favorable in some of his metrics for me, so he's a little bit lower down than, than what his just his pure film assessment was for me. And then Andrew Brown is, is maybe not a first-round guy, uh, but a three, potential three-technique out of Virginia that, that has a lot of really great penetration skills and first-step quickness. So uh, I think you've got options if you're Atlanta uh, some of these guys can be two gap guys. Some of these guys can play the B gap and, and be really consistent in, in odd and even looks. So there's some versatility up front too. So I think you got a lot of options if you're the Falcons and you want a defensive line. Kyle, I'm going to take this one here from Carruthers too. Is passing on Saquon Barkley at one a bigger mistake than drafting Johnny Manziel? No, <laughs> I, I mean I, I that I do not think that the Browns should draft Saquon Barkley at number one. I think this is all about quarterback. I don't think that Tyrod Taylor being on that team for basically a one-year $16 million contract precludes them from going quarterback at number one, and I don't think they should. They have this unique opportunity to be at the top of the draft where we're going to see four guys go probably in the top six, six picks at cornerback. They get to pick the one they like the best. Now, that's an important decision, but they're in the position to do it. You do not go back to number four and take Barkley or any other player and risk not getting your guy. Go get your guy, and then you can go get another blue-chip talent at number four. Maybe it's Saquon Barkley, maybe not. But you can get another really good football player at four. you got to get the quarterback at number one. So uh, I think it would be not a mistake to pass on Barkley, and certainly not in I mean, comparison to Manziel. I, I, that was always awful. Joe, did you see, as we wrap this up, That'll be our last question. Did you see the take that Clay Travis had this evening as we record this on Wednesday night, talking about how he thought the Browns should take a quarterback at 1, 4, and 33? 
he wanted the Browns to take their first three picks, use quarterbacks on. But I think the greater point here is they have to get that position right, right? So uh, Carruthers says, I understand the risk, but passing on a future Hall of Famer is a travesty. Well, all these guys, if they're in the top five, they should be potential Hall of Famers, right? You know, that's that's your expectation with a lot of these guys. Uh, I think Quentin Nelson's got potential for a Hall of Fame career. You know, if things come together for Bradley Chubb, he may have an argument for a Hall of Fame career. If But you cannot win in the NFL without a quarterback. So I understand Barkley's the best player, but you can have the best player and not win. You have to have a better quarterback nine times out of ten than the team on the other side of the field to consistently win football games in the NFL. And I think that's the divide, and that's where the decision is easy for me. Do you feel like you have the long-term answer on, on the roster right now? No, you have to go get the quarterback. Joe, any parting thoughts for the people? I'd like to thank everyone who tuned in and, and watched us live, and if you were listening to us on Thursday once this goes up online, we'd also like to thank you for listening. Joe, any parting thoughts? Uh, my parting thought is that you can't win sustain- – you can't build a sustainable winner without having a franchise quarterback, and you have got to go ahead and get him at number one, just to echo what you said, echo what I said earlier. And uh, Saquon Barkley could be a Hall of Fame running back all day long, and I hope he is. But Cleveland needs to get that position right to win for a long time, and their their fans deserve it. Yeah, so um, my parting thoughts, make sure you swing over to NETScouting.com. Uh, John Ledyard is keeping up with the free agent transactions, making sure you guys have the up-to-date docket and how it's going to impact teams as it relates to the NFL draft or doesn't change their plans at all. So uh, a great opportunity for you guys to really keep up. I know this news cycle right now is kind of nonstop. So it's a good chance for you to, to keep up with everything that's going on. We got some other good stuff there. We're doing these uh, three best team fits for per, uh, prospects. Uh, it's a series we're working on over the course of the next couple of weeks. So there's some good ones there as well. Yours truly just did Leighton Vander Esch. Seemed to be a popular piece. Uh, a lot of three, four defenses. I think would be great fits for Leighton Van Der Esch, but I'm not going to tell you who you got to go check out. Thanks for listening to Draft Dudes. Make sure you guys hit that subscribe button. Follow Joe on Twitter. He is at the Joe Marino. Follow yours truly, Kyle Krabs, on Twitter. I am at NDT Scouting. Uh, we'll be back in touch with you guys again on either Friday or Saturday. we got to figure out some scheduling, but in the meantime, thanks for listening to Draft Dudes Podcast. I'm Kyle Krabs signing off with Joe Marino. Enjoy your Thursday, folks. Right now, join T-Mobile and get an unlimited family plan with Netflix included so you can watch in more places than ever before on your phone, tablet, or TV. Plus, buy one Samsung Galaxy S9 and get one free with 24 monthly bill credits so you and your family can binge your Netflix favorites on your new phones. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. Unlimited data on their network. Video streams at 480p. Small fraction of customers using over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speeds. If you cancel balances due, well-qualified customers, full price, 720 plus tax. Finance agreements required. Netflix for two screens. Terms apply. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.